Hey everybody, it's Sam Jacobs. Welcome to the Sales Hacker Podcast. Today on the show, we've got Narosha Methananda. She's the VP of Marketing at Influ2, and she's had a rich and storied career across a wide set and a diverse set of experiences. You know, she originally wanted to be a criminologist uh, before ultimately getting her toe into the front door at a stationary retailer in Australia that ended up leading to great things, leading to building out a technology consulting practice for PwC in Australia, and then ultimately becoming the VP of Marketing for Bombora and now Influ2. And it's a great journey, and she has a lot of really useful and interesting insights about how people make decisions in the modern era and about how uh, sales and marketing teams can really and more effectively and practically drive alignment. So great conversation. Before we get there, let's hear from a word from our sponsors. And then we will hear my conversation and interview with Narosha Methananda. This episode of the Sales Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Outreach. Outreach is the first and only engagement and intelligence platform built by revenue innovators for revenue innovators. Outreach allows you to commit to accurate sales forecasting, replace manual process with real-time guidance, and unlock actionable customer intelligence that guides you and your team to win more often. Traditional tools don't work in a hybrid sales world. Find out why. Outreach is the right solution at click.outreach.io forward slash 30 MPC. That is click.outreach.io forward slash 30 MPC. This episode of the Sales Hacker Podcast is sponsored by Pavilion. Pavilion is the key to getting more out of your career. Our private membership connects you with a network of thousands of like-minded peers and resources where you can tap into dozens of classes and training through Pavilion University. Make sure you take advantage of the Pavilion for Teams corporate membership and enroll your entire go-to-market team in one of our industry-leading schools and courses, including Marketing School, Sales School, Sales Development School, and Revenue Operations School. Unlock your professional potential and your team's professional potential with a Pavilion membership. Get started today at joinpavilion.com. Once again, that's joinpavilion.com. This episode of the Sales Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Vericent. High-performing revenue organizations have a plan for growth. Get yours with Vericent. Set smarter goals and design territories to maximize your revenue potential. Create incentives that motivate the behaviors needed to achieve your goals. Use AI-driven insights to make better decisions and outdo previous performance. Learn how Vericent can help you create a predictable growth engine at vericent.com forward slash sales hacker. Again, that is vericent.com forward slash sales hacker. Hey, everybody. It's Sam Jacobs. Welcome to the Sales Hacker Podcast. Today on the show, we're excited to have Narosha Methananda. She is a proud marketing generalist driven by a strong urge to always be learning. With a career spanning close to 15 years across many marketing disciplines and industries, she recently joined Influ2 as its VP of Marketing and is taking on the challenge to build out what the evolution of account-based marketing looks like. In her most recent role, Narosha was responsible for creating Bombora's distinctive brand and establishing it as the leading global provider of B2B intent data. Prior to this, Narosha led marketing for PwC Australia's tech consulting practice, dabbled in PR and journalism at Power Retail, and gained an interest in digital and data at Experian Hitwise. Not a morning person, Narosha enjoys stimulating conversation, adores witty sarcasm, and is passionate about creating magical marketing moments. She took great joy in putting together this bio and jamming into AB acronyms and tries to take a rule number six approach to work and life. Narosha, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. Thanks very much for having me. <laughs> we're, exci- we're excited to have you. Thank you. So, I mean, there's so much in your bio. Normally, we dive into giving you an opportunity to pitch Influ too, but I have some additional questions. Yeah. First, first of all, um, when did you identify that you weren't a, a morning person? 
Um, well, I've, I've had 40 plus years, uh, probably pretty much from, you know, the time I had to start going to school, <laughs> you know, and getting up and waking up in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I'm not someone who gets up and is like, oh, it's a joy to be <laughs> very early morning, <laughs> particularly particularly nowadays. I have to, I work with uh, with Western, with, with Eastern Europe. So, and Oof. based in LA, I couldn't be any further apart. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because you mentioned that you moved from New York to LA and that, that Cali- working in California often mandates that you're a morning person. Yes, it does. I I didn't quite realize that when I decided to make the move. It wasn't a factor in my in my decision. Um, Had I known, I would end up, you know, changing companies. The the difference between New York versus, um, you know, Eastern Eastern Europe is is a big difference. So, yeah, it's uh, my days sometimes start at at six a.m. That's not unusual for me to just hop straight on calls at six a.m. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a grudging, becoming grudgingly a morning person, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's still grudging. <laughs> yeah, the struggle is real, as they say. Yes. Very and you real. mentioned also, you say you try to take a rule number six approach to life. What is rule number six? So rule number six is, um, it's something that was actually a story that was related to me, but one of my coaches at PwC, um, and there's this story about two two prime ministers, and I'm, I'm probably going to butcher it, but you can definitely look it up and, and Google it. Um, but two prime ministers sitting in a meeting, you know, having a conference, and you know, the the one who's hosting, uh, you know, someone ba- bursts in and, and they're like, you know, whispering something to him, and he just sort of says, you know, remember rule number six. So cool, they go back to having their conversation. Again, someone else bursts in and is like, you know, there's some emergency, whatever. And then he just sort of says, remember rule number six. Um, and then the other the other prime minister or president or whoever it is sort of says, what, what you know, I'm so curious, what is this rule number six? And um, essentially rule number six is just don't take yourself so damn seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's what it is. And I think sometimes you know, with life and what's going on in the world and, you know, with work and so on and so forth, there's such a, you know, everything becomes can become so big in your head around what is going on and it can become, you know, really unmanageable and, and it, it's, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a, a check for yourself and, you know, saying, like, don't, don't take things so seriously. It's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. Step it back and and and, um, and, and just just have some perspective, perspective, basically. So, well, I uh, I agree with that approach wholeheartedly, and I I try not to take myself too seriously. But we'll see. We'll see what my wife says about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, let's dive into the the heart of the matter. Um. You're the VP of marketing at Influ2, mm-hmm. and we uh, there are folks out there, including me. I don't know what Influ2 is or does. So tell us about the company a little bit. What what do you all do? What's your mission? What what problem are you solving? Yeah, so um, essentially, Influ2 uh, takes display and social media uh, advertising out of the dark funnel. And what I mean by that is, you know marketing teams invest a lot in their advertising and often it's not very tangible in terms of understanding you know who who you're hitting in terms of accounts or indeed who's engaging in terms of people so you know influ2 has a product it's called person-based advertising essentially what it does is it allows um, uh, marketers and businesses to advertise to people at accounts and uh, 
directly to them and then understand what their engagement is with those ads and be able to have bring those insights back so that there's something tangible around your advertising. And what really, you know, one of the reasons that I joined Influ2 was because one of the things that uh, I think there's a big uh, gap in terms of um, marketing doing one thing and then sales having tangible results to follow up on, you know, often that 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 is a massive gap and um, particularly coming from the world of intent for me, I, I saw that as a pain point, you know, cool, these accounts have intent, but well, when then sales is asking, well, who has, who you know, who is it at these accounts? And there are ways to be able to um, structure that and uh, be able to find out. But so for me, with with Influ2's person-based advertising solution, actually, you can you can immediately tell sales, these people are engaging with this content and they're interested in this. And it's not just like a click or an impression or whatever it is. It's an aggregated engagement. So you have something tangible to actually pass back to sales. And essentially that's, that's what Influ2 does. How does it, does it, is it a standalone platform? Does it require integrations? Does it sit, you know, with Sixth Sense on top of, or demand base? Does it sit on top of Salesforce? How does it work within the marketing tech stack? Yes, uh, it can it can be standalone depending on your program. It can be complementary to what you're doing within these platforms. Um, you know, we see a lot of our customers use it, um, you know, as complementary because you know, even though those platforms do have an advertising um, part of them, it's not necessarily the same function as what Influ Two, you know, uh, what Influ Two performs. So it, it's used complementary. But if you, we do have customers that use it standalone. They use it directly, and then they take it into their different systems to be able to set it up within, you know, their their CDPs or into into their uh, Salesforce CRMs uh, maps or um, into Slack for alerts and things and outreach and things like that for alerts. So it can be really used and configured in the way that's best for your business. Makes sense. And how, how old is the company and where is it in its growth journey? And you can answer that in any way that you want without, you know, revealing confidentiality. Sure. Um, so the company, it, it's, the company is actually probably about five, five years old now. Um, so it's, it's interesting because it's really, um, you know, it's not as young as a lot of people think it is, but from a brand perspective, it's not well as well known. Um, and, you know, part of that was our CEO, Dimitri, you know, he said he wanted, when, I, when he interviewed me, this is what he told me, he said, you know, I want to build something that is hard to replicate, but easy to sell. Cool. And when you hear the, when you hear what Influ2 does, it's like, it's essentially, it's a no brainer for me. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> why wouldn't, why wouldn't I do that? The thing, the thing that um, we didn't necessarily have was uh, the brand and the trust. And, you know, that's something that is important in terms of what needs to come. So that's, that's essentially why I was brought on to be able to help build up the broader marketing function um, and be able to help build out our brand, build out trust, educate the market more about, about, about what it is. But from that perspective, um, you know, the company is about five years old now, you know, it's about uh, 80, 80 odd people. And we're, we're built, building out the team more in the US. It was founded in, uh, in the Ukraine in Kiev. Um, and so a large part of our team does reside there as well. How is uh, the recent, you know, the war and Russia's invasion of the Ukraine? How has that impacted the company? Um, you know, it it was incredibly challenging. I will. I, I'm not going to lie; it wasn't not challenging. Um, 
I will say like they don't make a handbook, <laughs> a management handbook for for war. Um, and but I one thing that I think it taught me is um, you know the way our CEO worked to make sure that our team was safe, to make sure that um, they had what they need, and and you know essentially um, keep them safe was amazing. Um, and the resilience of of our team of the Ukrainian people is unbelievable to me. Um, I think if I was in that situation, I would have <laughs> work would have been the last thing on my mind. But it's certainly not for them. Um, you know, they very much were are very dedicated to Influ2 and uh, making sure, especially with our with our customer success team, with our sales team, making sure that that they didn't uh, miss a beat in terms of like taking the calls, arranging for what they needed to. And, uh, you know, it, it is challenging because you have a, have a team that sometimes are in bomb shelters. You have them, you know, on the road and, um, you know, traveling to other, other parts of the country or leaving the country or so on and so forth. But, you know, I think all things considered, it was, um, it was very, it was fairly smooth. We, we got uh, our team to safety and, um, and you know everything is sort of within a matter of weeks. We were sort of back to back to sort of normal functioning or a new reality, as we all seem to be doing these days, adapting to all these new realities. But yeah, that was another new reality we had to face. So, wow. Well, a, a testament to their fortitude and their resilience. So, and I'm sure, like you said, no no playbook for it. Let's learn a little bit more about you. You know, obviously, we hear the the Australian accent. Um, tell us about your your origin. How did you get into marketing? you know, a little bit about the journey, obviously Bombora is a, a well-known company, but walk us through, you know, the, the evolution, your evolution as a marketer over the last, you know, um, um, 10 to 15, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I didn't necessarily set out to be a marketer. I, um, I have, I'm going to steal a, a term from, or I learned a term from, uh, I just, just despot. He's at, he's at circle. Uh, in, it's called intentional serendipity. So I, I really like that term for, for my career because I, a lot of people would sort of look at it and think, what on earth was she thinking? And I'm sure at the time my parents were really thinking that. Um, but, you know, I like to think it was intentional serendipity. Um, but I started, I wanted to be a criminologist, um, you know, coming out of high school. So that's that's sort of something I wanted to do. My mother was really worried about, about me doing that because, you know, uh, it's probably not the uh, most sexy profession for, for a for an Asian daughter, <laughs> quite frankly. Like there, there are prescribed paths and that was not one of them? Yeah, I mean, it's doctor or lawyer or nothing, right? So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> they got the lawyer. My brother's a lawyer. But, um, you know, so I uh, I did um, a, a BA in psychology or it, it was psychology. Well, my majors were psychology and sociology and it was a BA of social science. Um, and I realized I really enjoyed the sociology part of, of my degree. Um, and then I went on to sort of do a grad dip in PR because, um, you know, I didn't want to become a sociologist. I kind of wanted, um, you know, wanted to take a different path. Um, and then that that for me led to, you know, I was I was working at, I started at the bottom. I, I started as a PA for a, a small, uh, you know, immigration law firm. And I was doing, I was managing managing their um, office and things like that but also I was studying at the same time so I did a little bit of marketing for them I went to the UK um, and then worked for a law firm there 
um, and was in their finance training department. So that was a lot of events and scheduling and so on and so forth. So really got got um, that under my belt there, came back to Australia and worked for a company called Officeworks. They're a very, very large stationary retailer, so kind of like um, uh, Office Max here. Um, and, you know, I, I, I started as the PA to the, the CMO then, you know, I just said to her, I, I'd like a foot in the door. Um, you know, she, and that's, that's what I wanted. So I, you know, I did my job sheet and she, she was great in, they had a massive marketing team, um, you know, with every different function you could imagine. So I really got involved with their digital. I got involved with, you know, the the analytics, I got involved with the PR and so on and so forth. And so I sort of, you know, moved into different roles there, uh, from that position. From there, I went to a company called Hitwise. Um, so I don't know if, uh, Hitwise has since been um, since been acquired a, num- a number of times, but Hitwise is really was really about competitive intelligence, digital comp- competitive intelligence. So that's really where I got my interest in in a lot of digital and data, um, and I was the the coordinator there, and then moved into a very variety of roles from there with with power retail into journalism into special project management and then from there to PwC to set up uh, you know their publication to market which is called Digital Pulse which is actually still going in Australia it's recognized as a as one of their leading B2B publications for um, for a brand and then from there I decided I wanted a life adventure and um and <laughs> decided to come to the US and I landed the role with Bombora and I was with Bombora for a good five and a half years building its brand and team and so on and so forth and then landed it in flu two so have done a variety of different different things and that's why I say like a lot of people would look at that and think what was she thinking (laughs) but it's you know it was intentional serendipity as I like to say well and also you're accumulating experiences so you know now now you can leverage those experiences and call them wisdom hopefully yes Thank you. Yes, I'll use that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, your your mandate at Influ2 is to, is to the point is to sort of build a brand, quote unquote. How do you do that? You know, what are the steps that go into the foundations of brand building? And then and then what are the tools that you use to, once you've built that foundation, to sort of scale the brand and, and drive impact in the right way? Yeah. So, I mean, part a large part of what building a brand for me is about, or there's, you know, is about education. And especially with like, you know, even with Bombora, it was, intent data was a niche when when I first started there. And it's, you know, it it was a niche. So building out that niche category is a lot about education, understanding. It's about penetration of the market, Um, you know, and and that's something that I'm I'm taking and doing at Influ2 as well in terms of Person-based advertising is something that is challenging. It's a different way of thinking about your advertising, and it's it you know it's 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 outside of what what the traditional is. So it's really a lot of it is about uh, is about education, about transparency, um, and about getting our voice out there. So a lot of it is content for me with marketing. A lot of stuff comes back down to content and making sure that that's on point. It's about the story and um, identifying. Okay, well, where does this fit in the pain point of your target audience, um, and and how do you bring that to life for them and and humanizing. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's the other thing. So I think from that, that perspective, that's a, that's a core to brand building. Um, the other thing is the trust. And so how do you, you know, how do you build trust with people? It's, it's, 
for me, it's about humanizing the brand. So, you know, part of part of our, our conversation is about me humanizing the brand. You can hear my voice. You can, you know, understand that I'm a real person. And that's a large part of what, what we've been doing in market is being able to go out, especially with our events. Um, you know, that's a great, great way to be able to start to, um, in a tangible way, uh, articulate who we are from a brand perspective, get get people to come and meet us on the ground. Um, you know, we've been doing various activations at different events to be able to, to sort of uh, raise that attention and, 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 and um, start to build out that brand from that perspective. So those are probably the core things that we've been focused on. Uh, how, do you, um, how do you balance or what's the narrative that you share with your founder, with Dimitri? Because I can imagine, you know, my experience is a lot of founders – they, they realize they need a marketing function, but then they, they don't often appreciate the time uh, that it takes. And building a brand is a multi-year exercise. It's not something that happens in a quarter or two. And, you know, you mentioned activations and I'm sure, I'm sure they were successful and I'm sure that doesn't mean that there was 10,000 people, you know, going through the activation, whatever it may be, but it might've just been a few of the right people. And how do you, how do you balance, like what's, how do you manage your, your upwards effectively so that people can understand that marketing takes time and that it's not something where you snap your fingers and instantly get results? Yeah, it's, it's a process to be honest, Sam, like, um, you know, we, I've been with Influ2 for just over a year now. And, you know, we're looking back on retrospectively, we look at what's working and what's not working. And, um, and, you know, one of the things is around content, you know, and the content, you know, the contention is, well, our, our content isn't necessarily working because, you know, people are, it's not driving thousands of thousands of leads or whatever it is. The point is we don't need thousands of leads. Um, I think what, what it, you know, it is being honest, as you say, about, okay, well, what, what are the tactics that we're using that are long-term or medium to long-term? And then what are the tactics and the things that we're doing that are short-term and being very clear about what, what those results are. So, you know, things that are a bit more tangible are, for example, like if we do reports and there's an immediate like lead collection, cool, great. We can, that's, that's an immediate, um, that's immediate retention for us. Things that are like our events and we can meet people on the ground. That's immediate return for us. Um, being able to drive demand campaigns and, uh, you know, and push, push people to raise their, you know, grab the hand raises. Those are immediate for us. And I think it's just communicating that balance of what they are. And when you pull your strategy together as well, indicating, cool, this is a long burn. This is a short burn. This is what we can uh, that what we can ex- expect, and then having some predictability around. Okay, well, what what are what are the activities that we're doing throughout the strategy, and what can we expect? And I think that really helps from an executive perspective to have some understanding from from that from that perspective. I'm not saying it's going to be like, oh yeah, cool. I understand this immediately. I think it's probably an ongoing conversation. Um, constant tweaking but at the same time like that's I think that that's a really important part of you know having having that ongoing conversation um and communicating successes as well I think that's one thing that I've particularly learned you know I we have been through a very busy period and continue to go through a very busy period and part of it is about communicating and celebrating your wins you know that um that's something I think that's really important to be able to do. So it's like, okay, cool. Like, I know you've got your head down, bum up, and, uh, and you're working. 
<laughs> I haven't heard the bum up part before. I like that. Yeah, I think that might be an Australian thing. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, but also while you're going, celebrating what you're doing and what wins you're having along the way is a very important part of communicating that and visibility and transparency internally is super important from that perspective. Agreed. And, 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 and to your point, it's like a balancing of quick wins and longer term investments so that there's, you can put some things on the scoreboard, but also managing expectations that the big things take time to play out. What, um, last topic before we go, you know, you're, you're, you're passionate about quote unquote sales and marketing alignment, and there's been a lot of lip service to that. Um, What's the, but for you, how do you, how do you actually make it real? How do you make it tangible? How do you actually align the sales and marketing organizations in the right way? And what sort of old conventions or ideas need to be tossed out uh, in the, you know, in, in the, in the process? Maybe it's like MQLs is an outdated concept, but I'm, maybe I'm leading the witness there, but what do you right. think? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, this is an interesting one for me. I, I think what, I don't know if anything needs to be tossed out. I think it needs to be evaluated. I don't think you we evaluate things, the tr- traditional approaches to things, to the new way of how we want to do business. So, you know, one of the things for me that I'm I'm quite passionate about, and I don't have all the answers to, um, but I, I think it, it is something that needs to be moved forward, is having a collective goal between sales and marketing. If you talk about alignment, if you have two departments essentially that run independently and have independent goals and there is opportunity for contention there, there's going to be contention, (laughs) you know, because they have two sets of different goals. And even though though they might be complementary to one another, it's still two two different sets of goals. And there always leaves that, that opportunity for, um, well, you didn't get me this or I didn't have this or you like whatever it is and it's that old old dance. So like I think from a in theory, having those uh, those goals come to, and those targets come together, having one revenue goal that you're working towards and you know saying, okay, cool, it's not just sales that owns that revenue goal. Marketing has to own that revenue goal as well. you know because if you think about like and this is one of the things for us, like if you think about it, from a from a customer from a customer perspective, you know, marketing and sales. Wh- why are we talking about marketing and sales alignment? It's because we want to give the customer a better experience, right? So the cust- I don't think marketing stops at one point in the funnel um, and sales takes over. I think that that alignment needs to needs to go all the way through the funnel. It's you know, you work marketing works with. Um, sales to be able to help with mapping, to help with custom content, to be able to help how you how you close that deal together. If you look at the larger enterprise organizations, that's exactly what they do. That that relationship marketing is ve- is crucial to to the relationships that sales holds and being able to push those forward. Um, and I think having those goals brought together will bring the organization together. Um, because it's a, it's essentially becoming it'll become a forcing factor from that perspective, and then I think you know you'll start to see where you have I, I, like I, I would see like different pods of marketing and sales together as as you work you know accounts or as you work through the funnel or whatever it might be. But I think like that that is what um, you know we need to really look at to be able to make marketing and sales alignment real and tangible that's that's the change that's going to need to happen 
And that change being shared revenue target. Makes sense. Um, we're almost at the end of our time together in Arusha, and one of the things we like to do at the end is sort of pay it forward a little bit. Share influences. It could be people. It could be books you've read. It could be perspectives. But when you think about people that have had a big impact on you, people that you think the rest of the world should know about, or ideas that the rest of the world should know about, what comes to mind? People that the rest of the world should know about. Um, so for me, um, I, you know, I've had a, a coming to the US, I, I didn't really know many people here at all. <laughs> so I started fresh. Um, people that I found really helpful and, and um, have been able to help me along in my journey. Um, Katie Martell, um, she's based in Boston. She, you know, she's a, she has a great uh great history, has great knowledge and is very generous with her, with her advice and knowledge. Uh, John Russo from B2B Fusion, um, he's been very generous with his knowledge and with his time and so on and so forth. You know, I, I'd really shout them out. Um, I know one of the questions was uh, from a, who I admire, um, you know, I look at uh, Latin Continent from uh, Sixth Sense. You know, I have great admiration for her in terms of what she's done with Sixth Sense, how she's brought that to market and really connected with um, all parts of her audience to be able to drive advocacy from that perspective um, and, and just be able to be supportive of the community in general. So, you know, I think for me, those are the exact, those are, you know, the people Um from a um, books <laughs> that I'm, uh, I there's only one thing that I really really read religiously, and um, Bob Hoffman has a newsletter that he sends out on Sundays. It's really related to ad tech, and the reason that I like it is because um, he's he's very snarky, um, and I love that. I love that in his in his writing. He's very snarky, and he's very like tells it as it is, and then he breaks down things. You know, ad tech can be very complicated, but he breaks things down in a way that is really easy to understand and he provides you with really useful resources um, and, and that's that's something I read religiously. Other than that, I, I read other things sort of sporadically, but that's something, you know, that's my Sunday morning Sunday morning read, if you like. So, what was, are- what, What's the name of that publication again? Um, well, it's it's not his specific pub. It's if you look up Bob Hoffman, um, yeah, it's just his 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 weekly newsletter. So I'm happy to yeah. I, I just sort of signed up for it. Someone had sent it to me, and it's something that um, that I just really enjoy reading. <laughs> well, it makes a lot of sense, and we can certainly we have it in our power to Google Bob Hoffman. So chief aggravation officer, it looks like is what it says on LinkedIn for type a group. That sounds about right for somebody interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I love that style of, um, of, uh, of writing. And I, I just like that. That's sort of straight up. I think sometimes, you know, we can get confused with a lot of flowery language and I'm, 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 um, you know, I'm, I, I do that myself, but I, I just really like the way that he, he writes and he articulates. Love it. Uh, Narosha, uh, it's been wonderful having you on the show this week. If folks want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get in touch if you're open to it? Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely open to it. Always happy to have a conversation. Um, my LinkedIn is great. Um, my email. So do you, maybe you can type it in the chat if you, if you like. 
Um, I better type it because my surname is really a mouthful. <laughs> we'll have it in the show notes, as they say. <laughs> okay. but, but there it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, uh, LinkedIn email is always great for me. Sounds great. Uh, well, thanks so much for being our guest on the show this week. And we're going to talk to you on Friday for Friday Fundamentals. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. Take care. One, two, one, two, three, four. Hey, everybody. Sam's Corner. Uh, Sam Jacobs, as you know, your host, your friendly neighborhood host. And I really love that conversation with Narosha. You know, one of the account-based marketing gets a lot of, uh, gets a lot of you know, airplay, but what does it really mean? And what it really means to the point of sales and marketing alignment, which Narosha talked about, is, is simply joint planning process, jointly shared goals, and making sure that both of these organizations, the sales team and the marketing team, are working together and not at cross-purposes. And that requires shared metrics, that requires effective collaboration and communication, and that even requires shared account planning and account mapping so that you understand... Uh, what are the accounts you're trying to go after? And you have a planning process in place. And I think, frankly, that's something even that, you know, I'm thinking about for Pavilion, my company, how do we make sure that we're more effective at planning jointly so that everybody feels like these are shared goals and shared exercises? So really good conversation and uh, and just a nice person very clearly and and an adventurer, you know, as we as you probably, you know, there's something about the, 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 the water or the air in Australia, but, uh, but Australians tend to, uh, they, they tend to, wander the world and they tend to explore and seek out new experiences. And so it's always fascinating to hear about, uh, about uh, that kind of journey. And Narosha has really led such an interesting life and, uh, you know, really inspirational. You know, she, she got in as I think she was the assistant. She was the personal assistant to the CMO at the office retailer company, uh, the, you know, the version of Staples or Office Depot that they have down in Australia. And that led all the way up the organization that led to working at PwC that led to building up the, the brand and the marketing organization for Bambora, for Bambora, and now for Influ2. So, you know, it's just a testament that there's no one route. There's no one path. Everything is an experience. Everything is part of your journey. Nothing is a failure. All of it leads you to the next logical step. And if you can find joy in that journey, and if you can find satisfaction and fulfillment, and if you don't put inordinate pressure on yourself to be any particular thing, uh, I think I think that might be the key to unlocking happiness. So certainly she's exemplified that in her journey, and and I'm sure Influ too is gonna is gonna do amazing things with her at the helm uh, from a marketing perspective. Uh, so that's it. Uh, if you haven't given us five stars on the iTunes store yet, please do so. Uh, if you um, if you want to get in touch with me, you can Sam at joinpavilion.com. We've got a number of great courses coming up and uh, uh, at Pavilion, and I really want you to take a look at them. Uh, so you can learn more at joinpavilion.com. But you'll also hear from a word from our other sponsors now. And for uh, for today, that's all. We'll talk to you next time with another great conversation from the Sales Hacker Podcast. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Sales Hacker Podcast had three amazing sponsors. The first is Outreach. Outreach, the first and only engagement and intelligence platform built by revenue innovators for revenue innovators. Go to click.outreach.io forward slash 30 MPC. We're also brought to you by Pavilion, the key to getting more out of your career. Enroll in sales school, sales development school, marketing school, and our upcoming recession education pack, including selling through an economic downturn, marketing through an economic downturn, and leadership through an economic downturn. Learn more at joinpavilion.com. And of course, Vericent, high-performing revenue organizations have a game plan for growth. Learn how Vericent can help you create a predictable growth engine at vericent.com forward slash sales hacker.